Well, what's really funny, though, with Jen is she will be watching a TV show and she'll be trying to figure out the the Myers-Briggs type of the characters and will look up online the Myers-Briggs types of fictional characters called out as a nerd. (laughs) It's one of those. They have never done the assessment because they don't exist. Right, <laughs> but they're not started, a real person. But, oh, and then so now, well, okay, well, this person is uh, blah 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 blah. So they're like this other person on this TV show, and hmm, on CSI, which CSI would you be based on your Myers Briggs type? Oh, no doubt. But I, I think the funniest one was um, there's a there's a Netflix series called Lucifer, and again, it, it's not the actual Prince of Darkness. It's like this fictitious thing. Completely friends, unbiblical, so but entertaining. Yeah, ex- unbiblical, but entertaining. I like that. And I, I was just like, Brian, if I was a dude, I would be Lucifer. And then I look up, he's the same Myers-Briggs as me. You may be one choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Brian and Jennifer Harvey. Okay, so this is going to be a fun one, guys, on the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast. I'm Jennifer Harvey. I'm here with uh, my husband, Brian Harvey. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. I'm I'm really excited because we're talking about some personality differences today, and we're we're getting a little bit more fun and scientific into it to an extent, and we can a even talk about yeah some well, and- of our our weird personality quirks, which I think are part of it. Jen, by the way, if you're familiar with the Myers-Briggs trait indicator, the MBTI, Jen loves Myers-Briggs. Oh yeah. One of my dear friends and, uh, you know, mentors shout out to June. She is like an expert and did corporate training for 35 years before she retired. And oh my goodness, it's just so, so interesting. Yeah, she, she's already. So I geek out on a lot of things. Jen totally is geeking out right now on Myers-Briggs. Oh my gosh, it's so cool. And even some of the other ones too. Well, what's really funny though with Jen is she will be watching a TV show and she'll be trying to figure out the, the Myers-Briggs type of the characters and will look up online the Myers-Briggs types of fictional characters called out as a nerd. <laughs> it's one of those. They have never done the assessment because they don't exist. Right. <laughs> but they're not a real person. But, oh, and then so now, well, OK, well, this person is uh, blah, 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 blah. So they're like this other person on this TV show. And hmm, on CSI, which CSI would you be based on your Myers-Briggs type? Oh, no doubt. But I, I think the funniest one was um, there's a there's a Netflix series called Lucifer. And again, it, it's not the actual Prince of Darkness. It's like this fictitious thing. Completely friends, unbiblical, so but entertaining. Yeah, ex- unbiblical, but entertaining. I like that. Um, and I, I was just like, Brian, if I was a dude, I would be Lucifer. And then I look up, you know, the in this article, he's the same Myers-Briggs as me. So what Jen just told me was that I married Satan. No. Okay. <laughs> Remember, it's it's fiction, unbiblical, but entertaining. Not, not real. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, you were reading this article and you shared it with me, and it was um, "Lucky in Love." Yeah, the "Lucky in Love" article. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting one. And it was talking about. I mean, they were giving advice. Really, this the intention of the article, which um, was for women later in life who seems like they're just lucky in love and how do you build relationships? And I'm presuming it was something that was just randomly popped up in your, your Facebook feed or something, but they talked about humans 
according to psychology and therapists and stuff, when they're talking about it, everyone, male or female, there's three different attachment styles. And they were trying to give advice on how to manage relationships based on your attachment style, which um, secure, anxious, and avoidant were the different styles. And it was based mm -hmm. on your family of origin determined your attachment style, which then would affect um, how you related with people romantically. Sure. And it, some of those attachment styles, again, this is more psychotherapy uh, led there. We're, we're talking about the three most common ones, which are the secure, the anxious, and also the avoidant. Right. And so then after reading the article, we thought about all the different personality assessments we've done over the years. So between ministry jobs, between uh -huh. the military, um, different things that you've done and just friends that have different interests. We've done so many different personality trait assessments. Oh my goodness. Yet. Yeah. And, and I think it, it's not, you know, deciding which, which um, house of Hogwarts we're, we're being sorted into, right? We're, Ravenclaw. We're uh oh, yeah, that's you. You're Ravenclaw. <laughs> I'm Hufflepuff, you know, could be kind of leading towards Slytherin depending on the day for me. But um, the ones that we were kind of looking at is like, again, the Myers-Briggs, uh, the Enneagram, the the DISC, D-I-S-C, which one are you, um, the, in the Strengths Finder. And it, it just seems to me like with each of these tests, of course, they have their own strengths and weaknesses. But I think that a lot of these, they just give you that little sliver of how God has uniquely created you. Yeah, and I think the big thing, the value in these is they're descriptive, not prescriptive. Mm -hmm. and one of the things when someone's giving you one of these assessments and you're doing that, one of the first things they tell you after you've done all the filled in the bubbles or whatever that is and answered the questions and added up the totals, they give you a description. Then The first thing they say is, cross out anything on this list that is not you because it's not prescriptive. It's not like, okay, I am a... Uh, Enneagram nine wing four, whatever it is. Therefore, I must behave this way. It's like, oh, these are things that are likely to be observed about you. They're descriptive, not prescriptive. So whether you've taken all or none of these assessments, you've observed that you and your spouse probably have different personality types. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And so Jen and I have different personality types on every one of these things we've done. And we found that, yeah, there's some significant differences between the two of us. Although what I've always loved, and I think we didn't find this out until about 15 years into marriage for Myers-Briggs, we're the ideal matched couple and I'm the ENFJ, you're the INFP. It's hilarious. But even then, that's descriptive, not prescriptive. So if you're not an ENFJ married to an INFP, your marriage is just fine. <laughs> well, well, again, it's it's not determinative, but I, I just think it's interesting because we were attracted to each other and decided to get married be, before we even knew some of those things. Right. So that's just kind of neat. But also, if you end up taking any of these tests and, and you're kind of seeing, oh, we're polar opposites, you can still have a thriving marriage. And it's just about learning more about the other and, and just how to communicate more into each other. And of course, this example I'm giving you guys right now is not a marriage. But again, I'm the ENFJ. One of my best friends in the world is an ISTJ. And we're very, very different, but we're really close friends. We love each other. We care for each other. And, and again, if, if you happen to have that matchup in your marriage, 
that can still work. And so Jen, again, just geeked out on you. So if you don't recognize any of those letters, that's okay. It's just if the letters aren't the same, that means you have a different way of expressing or experiencing life and stuff. This is not going to be a Myers-Briggs tutorial. So we're not going to go over all those letters. But once you know that different personalities and you could be, you're going to be different. And there's two ways couples often manage these differences in unhealthy ways. Yeah, I think so too. I think some of it is you're either going to ignore the differences altogether, or you're going to really amplify and exaggerate the differences to your detriment. Yeah, I, either way, when couples mismanage their differences, it's going to increase unhealthy conflict. If you're ignoring them, then you're going to have problems because the differences are still there and you just aren't addressing and dealing with how do we manage that. And that's going to create unhealthy conflict. If you're exaggerating them, then it's just going to not only are you you're going to be almost be looking for conflict at that point because it's you're trying to point out all the differences and it prevents you from fulfilling your calling as a couple if you ignore or exaggerate these differences because God has brought you together and those differences are part of your superpower as a couple that's going to make you effective at doing those good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. And also we, we talk about mismanaging differences. I almost feel like you've got all of these differences. If we're looking at this, like the produce section of the grocery store, and we're gathering up these, these fruits of the spirit, and we want to make sure that, or, or, or the, these gifts, these talents, probably not so much fruits of the spirit, but if we're able to balance these in the right way and blend them together in the right ways and use them in the right ways, it's going to be great. You're going to have a spiritual smoothie. There, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> but, but if we're, you know, dropping things around, we're not handling this in the right way. It, it could just make a big mess and, and get all over each of you yeah, and others. It, just, it gets ugly. So the first thing I think the most important thing when you're addressing these differences mm -hmm. to manage them is you've got to acknowledge and celebrate them. Woohoo! Party! You know, like Jen was pointing out, it's interesting from a perspective of our two Myers-Briggs types that how they define that is it is likely we would be attracted to each other. And guess what? We are. Here we are. You know, um, if I mean, all of those dating sites, eHarmony used to be a big one, FarmersOnly.com, Christian Mingle. Are we advertising for these guys now? No. No. Um, but if they want to help support the podcast, they're welcome to. Um, no, I mean, we're not advertising. But the reality is they are using all of these, the science to say, hey, you are more likely to click and connect with this person or that person. God made you and your spouse exactly as he wanted. And it is very good. And if you're going to be that power couple that God intends for you to be, you got to celebrate and acknowledge those differences between you. And these differences too are, are often going to be part of what attracted you to your spouse in the first place. And, and I think that, you know, we, we talked about us being compatible as far as the Myers-Briggs said, that's true of us for, for the Enneagram as well. And, you know, dealing with disc and strength finders, that's not necessarily about preparing romantic relationships, but I think it just kind of shows how we're able to really complement each other. And again, you created differently as God chose to create you, me being created as God chose uh, to create me and, and us together. It, it's just an awesome kind of thing. And so one of the things that that'll do is that those differences give your spouse strengths that you don't have. 
And so in our relationship, Strengths Finder, one of Jen's strengths is Achiever. Oh, that's my number one. And it's if you know anything about Strengths Finder, then you know a lot about Jen because of the Achiever thing right there. That is not one of my strengths. And so one of the things that Jen brings to the table is getting stuff done. Sure. Because she's going to push through and push through. Where for me, I am much more contemplative. I'm much more in my head. And I'm thinking about things and I'm starting things and I'm imagining things and I'm seeing connections of things. But I'm not getting anything done. And so Jen comes in and says, okay, let's push this forward. Now, at the same time, sometimes Jen's like, well, let's just get it done. Let's get it done. It's like, and my thing is, is it even the right thing to do? And if we do this, how is it going to affect all of our other goals and values and options? And those are some things that Jen has the capability to do, but it's not her natural bent. She sees a task and wants to get it done. And where for me, I start doing the dishes, filling the dishwasher, then, oh, it's time to take Jonathan to school in the morning. I stop, leave the dishwasher open and take Jonathan to school, come back and finish loading the dishwasher. How can you do that? As soon as she starts, we will be leaving a little bit later because she's going to finish loading that dishwasher. Oh my gosh, Jen, get out of the house. The the house is on fire. I got to finish loading the dishwasher and turn it on first. Because someone's going to show up when the firefighters get here. I want them to know our dishes are clean. I'm telling you, we can't just (laughs) leave it undone like that. But also, Brian, you and I, um, just just being very transparent with the, the folks who are listening, we had a bit of a conflict, I think, over some of my achievements stuff uh, earlier on in the week. And you were just saying, gosh, this thing, and I'm not remembering the exact conflict, but it was like, Jen, it really upsets me that that you're thinking like that. And I'm just kind of like, wow, because it really upsets me that you're thinking like this. But it's just kind of like we had the conversation and we resolved whatever that issue was. And, and we were able to move forward, I think, in a positive way and, and better together for it. Absolutely. And so having those conversations and encouraging and valuing those differences is important. Remember that your spouse's differences are going to help them see you in ways that help them guide you towards holiness. And that's kind of some Always. of the things that that conflict um, was leading to for us, right, is we had to shave off each other's rough spots. We had to have that conversation, and at the end of it, we're closer. God willing, we're more holy, more fit for his service because we've addressed things that we needed to address. Mm-hmm. Just that, that whole, as, as iron sharpens iron, I, I, I hope that, again, together through our conflicts, we're able to grow together as a couple, and, and also seeing the strengths that, that each of us has and the weaknesses that each of us has, but as a couple— uniting that in minimizing those weaknesses, I hope, and in amplifying those strengths together. Yeah, there's a book out there, The Case for Marriage. And one of the things it says is there's a demonstrable difference in the earning power of a two people single versus a couple, even if both aren't working. And one of the differences is the division of labor. Mm-hmm. When you're single, you've got to do everything on your own. When you're married, you divide up the roles running the household based on the strengths of the individuals in the couple. And that makes the household run more effective. And this is true because it's different between two co- a couple living together versus a married couple. Because that commitment, it's 
research has proven this, that, com that marriage commitment allows for that division of labor to happen. And it's not, oh, okay, we've got to divide the, the water bill in half and figure out who's paying this bill or who's paying that bill, who's doing this, who's doing that, because it's all moving in the same direction. So those differences in your spouse are actually making you more effective in life. Because you're looking to longevity at, at that point in time. And I, and I think that was also that book that you referenced, The Case for Marriage, I think that came out about 20 years ago. But I think we recently saw an article, and I, I'm not recalling whether this was the uh, Washington Post, possibly, that had, had talked uh, just about that thing. So the science continues and confirms continues that together. So I, I think it's always important just in dealing with the differences. You both want to encourage the differences and you also want to learn from them. Absolutely. You know, you want to value your spouse's difference, but also, okay, how can how can I be a better person based on what I'm learning from my spouse? Mm -hmm. and, and I think be curious. Just always be seeking and pursuing your spouse just about, gosh, why did why did you feel that way? And, you know, how, how did that, that come around? Because I think you're going to be able to learn just, if nothing else, a different perspective because not everybody thinks exactly the way that you do. Here's something else that you're going to like. The more you're curious about your spouse, the closer you're going to be, the more intimate, and I don't just mean physical intimacy, but that part too, you're going to grow closer together. The more curious, the more open you are about each other and wanting to, I really want to know why you think that way. I really want to hear about that. The more curious you are about each other, the stronger your marriage is going to be. And I'd say that one of the greatest strengths in a marriage is going to be the personality differences between the individuals. And these differences are going to help to fulfill that purpose in marriage, which ultimately is going to be growing in holiness. This can be sidetracked when couples will ignore or exaggerate the differences between them. But on the other hand, this is going to be enhanced and empower a couple when they're going to be celebrated and encouraged. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining for us for, on this episode of Operation Thriving Marriage, the podcast. And please do uh, follow us and uh, share this and, and like our podcast. Jen and I started Operation Thriving Marriage to help couples and churches take marriages from merely surviving to thriving. We've got our book, we've got a blog and resources for our coaching ministry, and you can bring us out for an Operation Thriving Marriage experience. For more information, go to OperationThrivingMarriage.com. That's OperationThrivingMarriage.com. Oh,